This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Undies Fun Set, including mini bra, waspy corset, can-can pants, suspender belts, and black stockings, now available in scarlet and fluorescent green, with new discreet business receipts. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does It Matter, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Hello, Mr. Jeff. Anonymous. Hello, that Mr. was a rather baritone "I'm free," wasn't it? <laughs> I think I'm going doing... for a new. I'm going for a new butch effect. Is it working? <laughs> uh, not quite. <laughs> oh, I never. Oh well. Oh, I was worth a try. How are you, Mr. Jeff? How are you, new anonymous? I am doing quite well. Uh, it has been a very busy week. The weather seems to be holding out. We're not ready for fall quite yet. It's going to be quite warm this week. Um, just in time for. Uh, lockdown part two. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the weather might be helping all those, the bastions and bastions of uh, voters out there in the United States. My I God. hope so. We've gotten so much feedback from like all of the people in the world uh, voting. We've actually heard a, from a lot of the unanimous listeners uh, in the last week, haven't we? That's right, Brandon. We've heard uh, stories <laughs> from uh, Ursula, who gave us an update on how early voting is going in Ohio, and she said the line was around the block all day long. So encouraging great. to hear that. Yeah. And uh, we also heard from Kim in Texas, who told us that Houston is rocking the vote, and they had about 100,000 votes on the first day. That's insane. So she actually left us a quick little voicemail, and we love it when people call the Peacock hotline 662 peacock so let's listen to a little tiny clip of her fabulous voicemail yes this is kimberly from houston again i want to confirm that on october 13th we started early voting in harris county alone we've had over half a million people vote we've had a hundred thousand people on the first four days we have 100 early voting locations. Every single one of those has a curbside option. If you can't go in on the 29th, we will have 24-hour voting at, uh, I think, seven locations. In addition to that, they are opening the polls for the first time on Sundays from 12 to 7. But get out there and vote if you are in Texas. We can turn this state blue. Okay, Kim. Well, keep on rocking um, the – it sounds like Kim is like the voting manager of all of Texas. Don't mess with <laughs> Texas. Don't mess with Kim, man. She'll, she'll get you. So that's awesome. Thanks for the update, Kim. And uh, we also heard from uh, another couple of listeners, didn't we, Mr. Jeff? That's right. We also got another voicemail from Greg who shared some memories about shopping in a Dutch Grace Brothers-like store what? on his fifth birthday where he bought the Weeble Abel Smith treehouse. <laughs> oh, the, the Weeble, the we Wibbly Wobbly treehouse. That's funny. Uh, not Lady Weeble Abel Smith. That's another episode. Um, that's awesome. So let's listen to his voicemail. Hi, my name's Greg. Um, first off, just to love the podcast. Uh, Are You Being Served is one of my favorite shows, so... So happy to finally have the podcast to cover it. Um, I wanted to call because you guys are about to cover my favorite episode. I actually hope you guys have already recorded it already, so it comes out in the next couple of days. But uh, 
Changes the Good to the Rest is kind of a special episode for me. Uh, when I was five, we lived in Holland, and we actually had an old-fashioned department store just like Grace Brothers. For my fifth birthday, my grandmother gave me 50 guilders. Uh, it works out to be about 30 bucks today's money. And I just remember uh, being able to go to the toy store and buying whatever I wanted it was the first time I had money like that. Um, I just remember everything from that day, the elevator doors opening and seeing that toy department. It looked almost like uh, the one at Grace Brothers. Don't remember there being a fun time Freddy, but I actually do remember a magic mushroom house there. Uh, and I did fill out my ballot. Haven't dropped it off yet, but I will be doing that in the next couple of days. So uh, you've all done very well and uh, hope to hear the podcast soon. That's that's so cute. So um, it's funny because the last episode we listened to, or we, we recorded rather, was uh, a change is as good as a rest, which is so hard for me to remember. So it sounds like when he must have watched that episode when he was like a young man, um, he was like, wait a minute, I've been in that situation, <laughs> but in Holland and in uh, the Netherlands. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. We also heard from... Um, we think his or her name is Darcy, something like that. We're kind of taking an email from, uh, um, that does suit Madam with an E at Gmail. He sent us a nice little, they send us a nice email saying, you know, it's kind of a weird world we live in and that the podcast is getting them through some tough times. And I think we can all understand that, which is why we're all encouraging Americans to go vote. And, um... And they, they suggest after we're done with our You Being Served episodes, maybe we can do an, another podcast on uh, Last of the Summer Wine. Um, yeah. I've not actually really seen the, the, that show. But, Neither have I. Like, I've, I know yeah. that I've seen like bits and pieces here and there, but I don't think I've ever even sat down and watched a full episode. So who knows? I mean, it seems that AbFab is going to be off the cards for us because they're, um, there's a trio of guys in, in uh, the UK have already beaten us to yeah. it. And so they've got a great podcast called Wheels on Fire, uh, where they do um, a recap show just like us. So uh, we encourage you to go check them out because it's a really funny um, podcast to listen to. Rolling down the road. I love that song. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could do one on um, keeping up with appearances. Like so much of the humor about Mrs. Slocum and like the class and how she wants to be better than she is. And that's so Hyacinth Bouquet to me. I don't know. I really like that show too. Yeah. So that's um, stuff. And we also heard from another super fan who uh, is using our podcast to help uh, keep their family, uh, family spirits up while their spouse is battling cancer again. Uh, the prognosis is good and we wish them well and a speedy recovery yeah. during these times. Hope everything works out for you and your family. So thanks for letting us know and thanks for listening. And it's, you know, I say all the time, it's super uplifting to hear everyone's uh, feedback and, you know, everyone's loving the show, which is, of course, my favorite feedback. Um, but it's also so encouraging to hear everyone uh, going to vote. Um, so I'm in New York state, so I'm going to go early vote the very first day on October 24th coming up. Um, what is that? Uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday. That's crazy. Um, but what would be really cool is because we're so vote positive on the show for Biden Harris, by the way, um, if you go and vote, it would be really great to have everyone call the Peacock hotline. Just leave a quick little voicemail saying, you know, your first name and where you voted like their city and state, or even just your state. And it'd be cool to like string all of those together to make a big supercut. And then, you know, maybe the episode just before the election, um, we get to kind of celebrate all the listeners who went to vote because it's such an important election this year. So if you want to, join us at uh, 
662 Peacock. So that would be fun. So thank you all for voting. Yes, please. Yes, please. And while you go out to vote, please wash your hands and wear a mask. Remember that Black Black Lives Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, indeed. You've all done very well with your early voting. Yes, 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 yes. So um, we're here about Are You Being Served? And what are we going to talk about this, uh, this week, Mr. Jeff? So today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 3, Founders Day, which originally premiered on March 11th, 1977. And that week in the news, there was a siege. There was a hostage-taking situation in three different buildings in Washington, D.C., uh, they ended up taking 149 hostages, and they ended up um, murdering a radio journalist in it. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. Well, in outer space news, the rings of Uranus were discovered. Um, that deserves a very quippy joke. Um, I haven't seen that planet for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else would Mr. Humphrey say? They have a prescription for that now. That's what I should have said. There you go. There you go. Uh, and also, the Luciano Pavarotti made his U.S. TV de- debut singing La Boheme at the Met. Okay. So, so that was a kind of a good, a one, two-thirds good week, one-third bad week. It was an eventful week. It eventful was an eventful week. week, wasn't it? Yeah. And then this episode premiered, so that made it a good week overall. There you go. <laughs> so we start the episode with the staff filing into Mr. Rumble's office and he takes attendance like a school teacher. What is he, right? a principal? There's been tinkering with the time book. Uh, Mr. Lucas had signed in as Errol Flynn and Mr. <laughs> Humphrey signed in as Oscar Wilde. So a nice little gay nod there. Of course. And one expects these things from kitchenware and DIY. Great little classicist uh, remark there from Mr. Rumbold. Not gentlemen and ladies... Fashions. Oh, that that wouldn't fly here. Oh, no. Not at all. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Rumble tells them that it's young Mr. Grace's 80th birthday on Friday, and he's going to be an octogenarian. Is that why you can't eat meat? (laughs) Oh, Miss Brahms. Oh, Miss Brahms. I love that the only word she's ever heard that ends in etarian is vegetarian. So she, you know. Back on the floor, uh, Mr. Humphreys agrees to let Mr. Lucas have the next customer since he's been do- doing so poorly on commissions. But it turns out that the next customer just wants a handkerchief. <laughs> and Not then a we're big gonna uh, see... profit margin on the hankies, I think. And then we're going to see something very similar on the ladies' counter in just a second. Because over there, a customer is buying the Grace Brothers Undies Fun Set. Thank you to our sponsor this week. And the scriptwriters and the props people are trying really hard to code this customer as French because not only does she have a bad French accent, but she's also carrying a poodle. Like, like she might, all that was missing, all that was missing is like a baguette and a bicycle. Under arm. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so she needs a receipt for the undies fund sets for her business taxes. Ooh. So quite innocently, Miss Brom says, "Well, what sort of business are you in?" <laughs> That'll do, Miss Brahms. We get a very quiet, subtle um, aside from Miss Brahms to kind of shut it down. Perfectly That'll do timed, Miss Brahms. Yeah, yeah, perfectly timed. That's I was I, I was just thinking that like Molly Sugden is such a great actress that it's comic timing. If it was a half second off, it would have been less funny. So yeah, um, yeah. So Miss Brahms is also complaining um, about her commission, and Miss Slo- Slocum agrees to let her have the um, 
have the next commit of the next customer. So she's really excited about that. So this customer comes in looking for a fur coat for his wife, as well as something for a friend. And so Mrs. Slocum says, all right, you know what, Miss Brahms, you can have the commission on the friend. So she's pretty excited about that. But before that, before that happens, I love how they're kind of talking about, you know, well, you know, I know you're not making a lot of money now, Miss Brahms, but when I retire, you'll be the senior and then you'll get all the commission. And then she says, blimey, that'll, that'll be, <laughs> um, I can't wait. 15 years or whatever. And of course that would imply that Mrs. Slocum is a woman of a certain age. Right. So then she says, what did she say? She says something like count carefully, count carefully, dear. And then she's like, Oh, that'll be 30 years from now. And then she says, well, I think you might be doing me a service, but you're a bright girl. But you're a bright girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> something tells me that someone once told her that when she was that age, I don't yep. know. <laughs> so the customer who comes in is played by Tim Barrett, who is best known for playing Andre or Salt in the original Avengers series on British TV. Oh, that's a good movie. Right. But he was good also series. part of the Lloyd and Croft troupe where he was in Dad's Army and It Ain't Half Hot Mom. Okay, we'll probably see him again in the series, I bet. Probably will. Yeah. So... um for the wife's coat, Mrs. Brom selects a simulated bank that's in the region of 200 pounds. Okay. Um, what, what build is she? Oh, she's like yours. She's stoutish. Stoutish. <laughs> so an insult right to Mrs. Slocum's so mean. face, right? He's a mean guy. Yeah. I don't like him. Uh, in the trade, we call it Juno-esque. She corrects him with the proper British word for it. So I don't, uh, I don't know what Juno-esque means because I pictured Juno, Alaska, and I pictured maybe like... They're known for wearing really big coats because it's cold. <laughs> and mucklucks. <laughs> yeah. No. So this is, so Juno-esque means a woman who is beautiful and imposing. So not really quite Zaftig, but uh, just like, you know, a, a, a built woman, right? Uh, it's named after the Roman goddess Juno, who was the wife of Jupiter or Jove. We talked a couple of episodes about by Jove, where that comes from. Oh, by and Jove, so, yeah. Yeah, and so these were the Roman gods. If you follow Greek mythology instead, we're talking about Hera and Zeus, so. Okay. Huh. Mrs. Slocum models the, the, the coat, and then for the friend, uh, she selects a dyed coney, uh, specifically, re especially reduced at 40 pounds. Much now, cheaper. A, co a coney is a kind of rabbit, um, and it's the same word that's used in Italian and um, Spanish for rabbit. In Italian, it's cunilio. And the way that I learned that when I was on Miola days a couple years ago in, uh, <laughs> in Italy, wandering through the supermarket, and when I get to the baby food aisle, there is a jar with a baby and a rabbit on it and the word cunilio. So they have rabbit-flavored baby food in Italy. Delicious. Coney is also where, um, obviously, Coney Island, Brooklyn comes from, because we're, we're both from the, that part of the country. And um, Coney Island, back when the uh, Dutch settlers, not settlers, but, you know, the Dutch people who came from the, the Netherlands um, in the 17th century came, um, the island of Coney Island was actually an island. It is not now. It's now connected to Brooklyn. But um, it used to be full of rabbits. So um, the word in Dutch must be oh, wow. Coney or something like that. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. Such a weird connection, right? So the, the, the customer reveals that it's not for his wife's friend, but rather it's his friend. 
And he expects to spend a few thousand because it's his girlfriend. Now that changes things a little bit. <laughs> that changes things a lot, right? <laughs> so Miss Brahms goes for the Genuine Ranch Mink, which goes for 2,100 pounds, which means that Miss Brahms stands to make over 100 pounds commission. What? Right? And if we think back to the very beginning where we learned that she only makes about 19 pounds a week, this is basically about five weeks salary for her in a commission. So she's really eager to close this sale. So, okay, so 2,100 pounds, 2,100 pounds in 1977. So Do we today, have an idea what that would be today? Yeah. Yeah. So today that would be about 13, 13 and a half thousand pounds, which is just under $18,000. So he, he wants to spend what you could get like a, a, a tiny compact economy car for that amount of money today. Damn. Okay. $18,000 on a coat. Very nice coat. <laughs> so Miss Brahms models the coat and Mrs. Slocum starts to get a little bit of jealous because she's going to make all this commission so quickly that she's had to work so hard for. So she says, well, you know, real mink on a young girl can look dead common. And so she starts to take on the persona of the wife and arguing for why the wife should get the more expensive coat because then she'll get the commission on it. Yeah. And she really gets into character here. You know, do you mean to say that I've given you the best years of my life and all of these children <laughs> and all she gets is this rabbit? And then Ms. Brahms like turns into the role and they both get carried away. They did this in that episode where there was the woman in the blue dress with the feathers. and No sale. Yeah, that's right, because um, Captain Peacock was trying to encourage her to buy it, but then the other people were like, no, 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 it looks terrible. Um, they get really involved in their little roles, and they, um, they get overwhelmed. They forget. It's so cute. Yeah. So they really get into character going back and forth. Mrs. Slocum gets so angry as the wife character that she rips off the coat and starts jumping on and stamping on it, saying that she's going in to see her solicitors in the morning to file for divorce. Right? So she does the st – I'm going to call that the Slocum stomp because um, there's like – it seems like every other episode she's stomping on something where she like jumps up and down on it. What She did it on um, Mr. Granger's hat at one point. Right. And then hands it back to him. Uh, I think she does it in a couple other episodes. But something that was really cool, and um, I said before that I think Molly Sugden's a really great actress. Um, just before they kind of got into the little roles, she asks, you know, she, she, she shows her true self, which is something she's always trying to hide at Grace Brothers, right? So Mrs. Slocum, um, we find out in the episode that she's 51 years old. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We do. So she's stay stay tuned for a little bit of math. A little a little uh, foreshadowing. Uh, anyway, so she's fifty one, and she's from the north of England, which in in Britain in Britain has the unnecessary stereotype of being a little bit underprivileged, a little bit lower class. You know, and, working class. Uh, working class. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, but you know if. So when she's interacting with this gentleman who's going to spend, you know, a small car worth on a coat for his girlfriend, um, and we assume that he's kind of of the upper echelon of class, right? So when she says, um, I'll have my junior bring out the rack, you know, Miss Brahms, bring out the rack. And she, like, you know, gracefully extends her arm and, you know, so 
she then has to apologize to the customer, and she says, there's a lot of nicking what goes on. Like, apologizing. <laughs> that, because they have to have, like, a key to unlock the, the, the coats. So just when she says, there's a lot of nicking what goes on, instead of saying that goes on, she says what goes on, which is kind of a British way of... Maybe my, maybe people normally, they would say what goes on, which is the way they would speak. But it's the, a tell. It's a tell about being worker class, yeah. That goes on. So it's kind of a little hint that's very slipped in there very quickly. But I think in 1977 in London, they would have really caught on that that little, like you said, like a tell is kind of showing her true self. And then she has to get the key, which is in her garter belt, which she has to like shimmy and like haunch down a little bit. And then the customer has to like avert his eyes. So that's what's so great about Molly Sugden on the show is she's trying their best, Miss Slocum, to, um, to, to appear higher in her rank than she really is. So does Captain Peacock. I think those two are the the characters that really try that. And what's so funny about their 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 characters is that they will often like completely fail, and we can all see who they really are. That's what's yeah. you know she's a really great actress, and I love that little bit right there. Yeah, the customer decides not to buy the wife the coat in the end because it'll give away the game that he's having an affair. So Mrs. Slocum insists on splitting the commission with Miss Brahms because the wife gets half the estate, as if she really got divorced. <laughs> but it's here that it hurts. I loved how, how <laughs> passionate she was. How dramatic she oh. was, right? Um, we cut down to the canteen, and Mr. Granger enters, and Mr. Harmon follows him, but he sits at a different table in the back. Yeah. Uh, Granger is having soup for lunch, and he didn't get a spoon, and instead he got straws. <laughs> Because he's tired of his colleagues complaining about how messily he eats the soup with a spoon. And he so did, he's going to drink it through a straw The instead. way he comes in, he just like kind of like flumps down. And then like he can't get the lines out exactly. <laughs> and then he has these... It, it, the soup he has is probably like beef consomme or something. It looks like... Plain. The plainest soup Worcestershire possible. sauce and water. Yeah, just really... And then he has all these like different colored straws in his shirt pocket and they look almost like a pocket protector and then <laughs> he just says something's like forgot your spoon it was it mr lucas forgot your spoon mr granger no i didn't get one you all complain about my slurping i'm just going to use straws <laughs> and, then he, and then he says why do you have so many <laughs> they they all go soggy <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so gross. I love the scenes when he's like sipping soup and then like food <laughs> leaves his mouth. And you, oh, God. <laughs> it's a good giggle time for me. It is. It is. It is. It is. Um, Mr. Humphreys brought his lunch today. He brought egg and onion, salt beef, latkes, gefilte fish, and bagels. So I smell a Jewish joke coming, right? Uh, it turns out that <laughs> mother saw Moses on the television last night. And since Burt Lancaster looks so manly, she thought the diet might do him some good. Right? <laughs> she tries um, a lot. She tries a lot of different things to butch him up, doesn't she? She tries a lot. But Mr. Um, Humphreys, we think failed. you're perfect just the way you are. Do, do. <laughs> um, they also, Miss Silcombe talks about uh, a news story she saw about a village in Russia where they all live to be 130 because they eat a lot of vegetables and put yak butter in their tea. 
Apparently, that makes them remain virile up until the very end. Ooh. Have you ever had yak butter in your tea or your coffee? No, I haven't, but um, I researched it once. This is all coming, this is years ago now. Um, there's something in yak butter, because I was kind of like a Tibet guy. Do you remember the movie with Brad Pitt, Seven Years in Tibet? Do you remember that yep. one? That was a really good movie, um, and it kind of got me curious about the history of it all. Um, so yak butter is butter made from yak milk. And yeah, I know. But, you know, hell, <laughs> butter is from cow's milk. But um, uh, you put it in your tea, and it's it's supposed to be really good, but it's interesting because... People will come back from their Tibetan holiday or, you know, wherever, where they have yak butter and where you have yak, yak tea. Um, and they'll try it like in Jersey or wherever they live. And it just doesn't taste the same. So there's this kind of theory like, does it not taste the same because there's something about the altitude being in the mountains? Oh, or okay. maybe you were like super relaxed and chilled because you're on vacation and like you're just enjoying everything. But um, I've not had yak butter tea, but I would like to try it. Actually, that might be interesting. Do you think that Tesco's might sell an off-brand replacement? Cold blimey, this ain't yak butter, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this we can't believe it's not butter, but that's the British version. <laughs> My goodness, I don't believe that is butter. It doesn't have that's the ring the, to it. That's the Waitrose version. The Waitrose version. <laughs> yeah. well, this is a recycled joke, actually, for people. Yeah. I love it, but it's good enough for a second time, is what I say. There you go. Um, <laughs> The staff start talking about young Mr. Grace's 80th birthday, and it's their department's turn to throw him the birthday party because last year catering did it, and they had a topless go-go dancer, which gave Mr. Grace a heart attack. <laughs> and when you think about any time that he sees his secretary bend over, he gets those palpitations. So not hard to believe, right? Uh, it's weird um, that people actually put topless go-go dancers inside cakes for people at work, and that wasn't seen as, like, really bad, but... It was, you know, 45 years ago, so. Different time. Yeah. Mr. Humphrey suggests that they do like that TV show where you start out in short trousers and end up shaking hands like Danny LaRue. And this is a reference to This Is Your Life, right, that you've talked about a couple of times? Yeah, so I, I remember being a kid watching this this episode, and I kind of had a vague idea of what, you know, this concept of the show was. In fact, I think Are You Being Served probably was my basis of understanding this is your life. It's a, it was reversed really. So yep. um, this is your life was a really big show in the UK. It started in the U S uh, and like 19, like in the fifties, like early TV really. And it's basically like they pick a celebrity and of course everyone loves celebrities and it's a surprise where they kind of, maybe put on the auspice of like a documentary, we're going to interview you. And then surprise, it's this is your life. So let's say you're the celebrity, Mr. Jeff, all of the unanimous loves you and they think you're a great celebrity and we're doing an interview. And then I say, surprise, it's this is your life, Mr. Jeff. So then the whole TV show is where they take people from your past and like people you've worked with, people who've been affected by the TV show you were on or whatever. And it's kind of like, almost like, um, like a funeral, but when you're alive, it's actually a yeah. lovely idea. And uh, they have photos and, you know, they have a great book kind of uh, putting all of the details together, cumulating them into a giant red book. And then at the end of the episode, like they're turning the page as they tell your life story and then they give you the book. So that's kind of like the big thing about the show. So um, 
there's a guy that was hosting it from for like 30 years. Uh, his name is Eamon Andrews, and he died in 1987, and he was, you know, hosting forever. And so in the episode, we'll later see Mr. Lucas kind of sound like he's being an American, like the way... And now, Mr. He's Grace... Doing a, he's doing a bad Irish accent, is what he's well, doing. Well, it's interesting. So if you go and watch... Um, maybe a month or two ago, we had an episode where we talked about the This Is Your Life for John Inman, who played Mr. Humphreys. And that's on our Facebook page, so it's easy to get to. But if you, the guy that is hosting it is the guy that, Eamon Andrews, is the host that Mr. Lucas is imitating. If you think about Irish accents, they kind of have an R, an R when they speak, you know. Well, that's kind of in Minnesotan. But, like, right. compared to English people, they have the hard R sound, like Americans. So as a kid, I thought Lucas was trying to sound American, but he's actually trying to sound like Eamon Andrews, who was born in, in Dublin. But it's funny because he's—it's very television and hello, how are you? So, um, Eamon Andrews. So, like, if you were British in that time of you know a couple of decades ago, you would have definitely known who that guy is. So that's that's what Lucas is doing in this episode. All right. Yeah. Um, so they cook up the idea about here's your department, where they're all going to talk about how Mr. Grace has had an impact on everyone in the ladies and gentlemen's fashion department. So. Um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break and then let's see what they remember about Mr. Grace's life. I bet you they remember a lot. We'll be right back after we have some tea. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. All right. Hey, we're back from our um, tea break at the canteen. It was uh, as dirty as ever. And the uh, man dress was there today. So uh, we didn't spend much time there, did we, Mr. Jeff? No, we ate our lunch and ran out as soon as possible. I'm sorry, dinner. Dinner, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> Listen, um, we're gonna, now going to do our fabulous new little segment called... I, I am, am unanimous, unanimous in this. And this week's topic is Mr. Jeff's favorite. Uh, what are we going to be talking about, Mr. Jeff? I would like to talk about the meal deal. What's so, the meal deal, Mr. Jeff? So every supermarket in the UK has a meal deal, a lunchtime meal deal, where you can get a sandwich, a drink, and a snack for just about three pounds, which is about four dollars or so. That's insanity. So when you think about what you could get for lunch in the States for $4, it's probably something from a value menu from fast food. 
but or a single hamburger. <laughs> Let's right. be honest. Right, but over there, the the they have prepackaged food that's of very good quality. Now, if you think about today going to a gas station or um, even like Walgreens and CVS, sometimes will have uh, prepackaged. Um, food yeah like you it's can not, get like it's not very good yeah like you can get like a, a horrible little half like one of those little tuna fish sandwiches that are cut in half that are maybe a couple days old that still are edible and then like that alone would be five bucks or six right and then right. maybe they'd have a like a cheap one that has egg salad on it and um and then you can get like a snickers bar for like another dollar fifty and it's just it doesn't sound like a good idea, but you're saying it's much better in the UK. It's so much better over there. Like that's pretty much exclusively what I will eat for lunch every day that I'm over there because it's such a good deal, right? So some of my favorites are um, Sainsbury's makes a pulled jackfruit sandwich, which is delicious. So mm. jackfruit, jackfruit is you know it's a tropical fruit that um, has has. Um, its flesh is very similar to texture of pulled pork. So if you cook it in barbecue sauce, it tastes just like a pulled pork sandwich, and it is delicious. Okay, now um, that you say that, I've seen, like, a YouTube video, and it's like a giant, like, almost, it's like as big as your head, the, the fruit. But then when you take it off, it has, like, a yellowy, fleshy kind of, it's almost like a not-sweet pineapple that's not as yes. juicy, would you say? That that's a really good description of it, yeah. And so um, Waitrose does a really good uh, Christmas sandwich. We would call that the Thanksgiving sandwich here, where it's turkey and stuffing and cranberry. Yeah, um, that's just really delicious. And so you know, for a side, you can get a bag of chips or you can get a candy bar, but you can also get like a little pot of fruit, like a couple of grapes or an uh, cut up apple, um, or a bag of carrots or something like that. And then for your drink, you can get, you know, water or juice or a soda or an iced tea or something like that. And it's all just really affordable, really quick. And it's made fresh daily. Like that's if you go to the supermarket at like six, it'll all be reduced because they're trying to get rid of it for that day because they do bring it in fresh every single day. You're not going to find something that is more than a day old there. So that's one of the things that I miss about uh, about England and um, can't really get over here. You know, especially with everyone working from home, you know, uh, I work in midtown Manhattan. And so it's every day was go out for lunch to pick up something, uh, whether that be from uh, a Pret-a-Manger, which they also have, uh, which is a UK chain or whatever. But just that whole idea about going out for lunch every day. I miss it. And Pret-a-Manger is it's sort of like the city version of almost like a Starbucks but more focused on the food than the drinks, wouldn't you say? Yeah. 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 You would go to there's a really popular chain called um Nando's called Peri Peri yep. Chicken, which is something we don't have in the States. But it was basically like Brazilian roast chicken kind of like a yep. rotisserie kind of stuff. And I was amazed at the, one, the sizes of the drinks. They were so much smaller than what we have here. Like a, a large would be kind of a, a, a on the small side here, if yep. you believe it or not. And just the portions of the food. Like it's weird in the States if you don't get so much food on your plate 
that you have to take at least half of it home. You feel like that's not worth my, I'm not getting a good value for my money. But over there, it's like, no, you just don't do that. So maybe that's kind of part of the equation here. Yeah. Meal deals. So, um, so back to the episode, it's four days later and they're setting up the presentation in the boardroom and we see that Mr. Lucas is going to play the host and he's doing that terrible Irish accent. <laughs> the Demon Enders before, guy, right? yeah. Did you notice so, that at the end of the episode, you see um, <laughs> Mr. Lucas kind of waving at the camera and he's like doing this big toothy grin. He's yeah. actually wearing fake teeth. Because Eamon Andrews, like he's, if you look at photos of him, um, he's got this great big like thing, those teeth. And um, it, it definitely helped him kind of look that TV toothy kind of look, you know? Toothy like presenter, yeah, yeah. totally. So um, they're going to tape the ceremony. Uh, they're going to make an audio tape of the ceremony in order to give it to Mr. Grace Leader as a present. And then Mr. Harmon grabs the microphone and shouts into it, I, Mr. Almond of the maintenance department, do worship that man. <laughs> That's great. So the whole ploy to get Mr. Grace up into the boardroom is that they've got a decoy secretary uh, that he's going to come and interview her. And then Lucas goes and hides behind a potted plant, right? So and I'll just the secretary goes... Uh, sorry, I'll jump in really quickly to say, you know how Mr. Lucas kind of like... Just does almost like a riff the whole thing. That's right, Mr. Grace. The right the first time. <laughs> like that really fake American TV show kind of thing. I loved watching him do that. And if if you if you actually go and watch Eamon Andrews do the show, that's exactly what the guy does. So do you think that's where he got the inspiration for the keep your chappy happy with something snappy voice? And they remember that his and hers, he had that, he put on that, like, announcer voice. It could be, actually. It it could be. Well, I also know that um, so much of American culture that, like, the UK knows is through our TV. So if you think of, like, someone on TV, you could think of, like, Bob Barker from um, The Price is Right. You know, with, like, the long microphone and, like, the really long 70s trousers and... um, that that TV personality kind of thing. But, uh, you know, for better or for worse, that's how the world knows us is through our TV. <laughs> that's right. So he starts, Mr. Grace starts interviewing the secretary, and she says, well, my shorthand speed is 120 and my typing is 60. Well, forget about that. What about your measurements? <laughs> <laughs> so she, cause, which was very common in, in, in that time to, because a woman's value was in her looks. Um, you know, according to not only our society, but most of the world. Well, I would say today, so I mean, says, that's also a thing. But it's insane that, like, I wonder, surely not, like, bosses would say, what are your measurements? That I think they totally would. Oh, I mean, if we, if we look at, um, you know, if you think about Mad Men, which t- took place in the 60s yeah, yeah. Uh, and early 70s, um, I could easily see Joan... Asking a new um, a, a new applicant what her measurements were when she was interviewing because them. she knew that the men of the office would would need to know that exactly yeah, right? yeah. so this woman's measurements are thirty eight twenty two thirty six which sounds so unhealthy to me that sounds like either she's been corseted or it just sounds completely unrealistic right. Because if we think about what the quote-unquote perfect hourglass measurements are, it's 36, 24, 36. Chest, waist, hips. Right? 
Leave it to two gay men to to discuss this, but go on. Right. (laughs) So she's got a 38-inch bust and a 22-inch waist. Like, how can she even walk? Right? If you think about... (laughs) Yeah. Right? There's there's a lot of... um, You think about a Barbie doll and how people say that she promotes an unrealistic body image. Totally, yeah. So if you were to take a Barbie doll and make her adult size... Her measurements would be 36, 18, 33, which isn't that far off from what the secretary says in terms of the proportions of it all. Well, I have to say, like, I, I, I hope that it's a bit of a commentary that, that in the year 2020, we don't really know what these numbers mean. Of course, we're two gay dudes. Like, we don't know what measurement. I, I, but the thing is, like, my brother isn't gay, but I, I, I've never heard him talk about, hey, you know, that that chick over there look at the measurements on her like i don't think people talk about <laughs> my poor brother um is I, your brother from boston no <laughs> and he's not like danny devito or whatever um no but I, I just think the idea of measurements are like super super old school and i would hope that in the late 70s they were already on the way out you know like it nope uh, yeah mm, nope. yeah so the rest of the staff files in and Lucas comes out from behind the pot of plants and they say, here is your department. So young Mr. Gray starts to understand that this is a celebration for him, right? Yeah. So Lucas starts telling Mr. Grace's life story, which begins in 1897 with Henry Grace and his wife Ethel and had a baby. And so they did a really bad cut and paste job of pasting Mr. Grace's old, <laughs> Mr. Grace's face today on a baby's body. It was so right? cute. So, it was cute the first time, but they did this gag a couple of times, and I was like, all right, this is old already, right? Yeah, it's just a typical um, thing. Whenever they do anything involving special effects, they have to do it two or three times to get their money's worth, you know? Right. Um, so one by one, they all come up, and they all tell a story about how they how Mr. Grace has had an impact on them. Uh, Mr. Granger met him back in 1926 when he was a junior on the number 11 bus. So here's the thing. I've actually been on the number 11 bus. I, I you could have been on, it. this is your department, Jeff. I could And have, here right? is Mr. Jeff, who rides that very same bus today. <laughs> so, the number 11 bus runs from Liverpool Street, which is in the east, to Fulham Broadway, which is in the southwest, right, in Howardsworth. It cuts right across the city. It's a really good um, bus route for sightseeing, because you go past Westminster Big Ben, Downing Street, Trafalgar Square, and St. Paul's Cathedral. Okay, cool. Like, you hit a lot of the spots. So, if you're ever in London, once we're at a lockdown, and you're touring about, the number 11 bus is a pretty good deal. So. Ding. uh, um, We learned that uh, young Mr. Grace was an apprentice haddock filleter. (laughs) Uh, They called him Fish Fingers. And when World War I came about, they made tinned pilchards for the troops. And what do you know? They found some of those exact same pilchards in the canteen today. <laughs> I, love when they, so, I love when they started talking about the war and how he was, like, filleting. They, they call it fillet that we say filleting. He was filleting right. fish. <laughs> um, and then somehow they started making uh, canned, they, call, they say tend, canned uh, pilchard, which is a type of fish. Um, and when they showed the, the, the footage, clearly it was from World War One because they saw, like, the little pointed hats right. and stuff. And um, I was a little confused because I thought they were talking about 1926. 
And I thought, well, that's after World War One, so I was thinking maybe they got the wrong footage, or, but I guess, I guess it all lines up. It's confusing to me, but yeah. I also love how Mr. Mr. Young, Mr. Grace, because they're showing like that old timey, you know, film Super strip, really, yeah. really quick. Like everything was a little bit too fast played, so everyone looked like it was on fast forward. He says, "We didn't, we didn't muck about back then." <laughs> so cute. That's a good one. That's a good line, yeah. right? So, Mr. Lucas brings someone in the army who might have eaten those pilchards, Corporal, later to become Captain Stephen Peacock. Now, (laughs) the look on his face when Mr. Lucas says Corporal, he has this really, like, shocked look like they found out a secret. So, we've got a little bit of foreshadowing here, because in Season 7... Mr. Goldberg blackmails him into getting the That's job right. because he was in the army with him when he was Corporal Peacock. And I also wonder back then, because after the war, like 1977, that was what, you know, like 20, 30 years after World War II. And like all of the young men back then would have been, you know, Captain Peacock's age, maybe 50, maybe early 60s, whatever. I wonder if that must have happened a lot where someone would go by Captain or Major or whatever, Corporal. Um, and then, like, but not turn out to have not reached that rank. Well, not that, but just you know, like, actually, it's Captain Peacock, not Mister Peacock. Oh, I'm so sorry. Do you know what I mean? And then maybe that kind of is like the countercultural revolution thing, where, man, we don't care about titles. Just we're just going to call you Mister. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like something that could have happened a lot. So Peacock tells an anecdote that one January he uh, missed the bus. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of a snowstorm, and then all of a sudden a Rolls Royce pulls up, uh, rolls down the window, and young Mr. Grace sneaks out his head and says, don't worry, there'll be another one in a minute, (laughs) rather than giving a ride. That's the kind of man he is, never too busy to give a word of hope and encouragement. Way to brown nose there, Peacock, about taking, like, this backhanded compliment and turning it into, like, a a little (laughs) bit of praise for the uh, 80-year-old, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Mr. Lucas is just doing this fantastic job. I mean, you can tell, I think, Trevor Bannister really likes doing this kind of thing. He likes playing this TV over-the-top thing. Um, You know, something I I remembered when I looked up uh, this Eamon Andrews guy that he's imitating. I like, I'm a big Beatles fan, right? And there's a Beatles connection to this, so I have to share it. Of course there is. There always is. There always is. So George Martin, the producer who produced um, all of the Beatles stuff and a lot of the solo Beatles stuff, before he became like a big shot producer um, for like rock and roll people, he did like comedy records and spoken word records. Like, and we talked about, um, oh my God, do you remember the woman who was at Abbey Road and she did this honky tonk? Yep. What was her yep. name? Mrs. Baker. Mrs. Something. Anyway, like, back in the 50s, there used to be, like, this whole thing before rock and roll where, like, adults of the time in the 50s would, like, listen to very square music. And um, they would, like, have poetry readings and, like, people would buy the record of this guy reciting a poem, which is, today sounds incredibly weird, right? So, anyhow, the connection is Eamon Andrews, who would become this big TV guy that Mr. Lucas is... Um, imitating, he did one of these records in 1956 um, where it's him reciting a poem about 
the Wild West and a cowboy with like symphony music behind it, and people That's could go so to a record. Odd. Yeah, people could go to a record store and buy it. And anyway, George Martin produced it, so it's like this weird. And then of course, like he he met the Beatles in '63 and became this huge, huge person. But um, this is a cool little connection. I just kind of wanted to share. So yeah. So one by one, all of the staff come up and they give. Mr. Grace, a small, dignified hug and air kiss him on both cheeks. Except Mr. Humphreys. Um, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, in 1926, we learned that an uncle left him the store. That's how he inherited it. And that's the same year that marked the birth of Rachel Yiddle. Uh-oh. So Mrs. Slocum looks terrified here. And I don't know <laughs> if that's because they've given away her age. Because remember last year at her 50th birthday party, she claimed she was only 46. Yep. Or was it because they've revealed her real name? Because she's never given the name Yiddle, because it used to be Abergavani, right? Or Rachel, even. I don't think they've even known that. No, Rachel was one of the names in the Happy Birthday. It was Uh, Mary Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Rachel, Mary Elizabeth Slocum, Mary Elizabeth Rachel something Abergavani Slocum, right? Um, So anyway. Then Miss Brahms comes up and she gets a voiceover. I've pressed everything inside and I still can't make it go up or down. Um, she's telling a story about how they got stuck in the lift one time and young Mr. Grace called on Miss Brahms for warmth while Mrs. Slocum shouted for help. <laughs> and when they finally came, he said, save Mrs. Slocum and come back for me and the bird later. <laughs> Jesus. Workplace uh, her sexual harassment. The funniest thing ever. And so then we get, we come to the finale where uh, we find out how Mr. Humphreys met um, <laughs> Mr. Uh, young Mr. Grace. And this is where he goes to hug him. And he says, well, I won't kiss you because I've got a bit of a cold coming on. Right? I love it. I love it. We wanted to see, um, you know, we were wanting to see young Mr. Humphreys engage in a kiss, however platonic it is. But nope, we got to step away. We can't do that. Oh, yeah. So it turns out that Mr. Humphreys had applied and said, I'm Humphreys, I'm young, and I'm willing. And Mr. Grace said, we don't want your sort here. So bad. Like, so bad. But what did he do? He has, like, every every man, there's a woman behind him to support and, and help him. Who is that woman, Mr., Mr. Jeff? It was his mother. So so we see John Inman in drag <laughs> uh, on, a, on, a, on a videotape. Uh, giving her wishes to uh, Mr. Grace. Yeah. And it turns out that um, she went to the store to argue his case and threw herself on her knees to beg for forgiveness. I'm a mother with a broken heart. And at this point, Mr. Humphreys is sobbing at what um, his mother did for him. You did it, mother. (laughs) He's kind. She goes, she's right. And he's sobbing. He's loving. I I am. am. He'd bend over backwards to help anybody. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. And Mr. Locust, like, you know, nods kind of like, you know, quickly grins through it, trying to get through it. And so we see, um, you know, we, we, they, they reconcile and we see a great you know, end. And so Mr. Lucas is ready to wrap it up. And Mr. Rumbold interjects, well, what about me? And young Mr. Grace, well, so I expect you were too boring. So. And probably the case. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> and so we get the grand finale. Mr. Grace, here is your department. He hands over the book. He gets a standing ovation and we get the end credits. Yay. Yeah. 
So this was a kind of a blah episode for me as well. Again, because there really wasn't much of a plot. But we did have the two saving graces. See what I did there? Of the <laughs> fight between Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms, pretending to be the wife and the girlfriend. Yeah. And then John Inman and Drag. You know, it was like a little clip of little film strip thing. Um, but film strip. That's a great word. That's exactly. It was what a it film was. strip. It was on celluloid, and um, it's always cool to see like how bad footage was back then. If you remember the episode where they're all going on holiday and they're going through like the film strip of the different hotels they could choose. Oh, they were terrible. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. Of course, I mean, everything's HD. Like, I don't think it could get any better than it is now. I mean, maybe 3D or directly beamed to our brains. I don't know. But um, right. it was really bad back then. So, um, I mean, the technology was just so different. I mean, it was amazing they could get anything to work at all, let alone high quality. So, like, you see that in the film strip with Mrs. Humphreys. And I love the way that he played that and how you, she, Mrs. Humphreys was sort of had a, a, a solid, stern, reserved kind of steel-spined pride. And um, and then seeing Mr. Humphrey sort of react to that, where he was just overwhelmed. Yeah. So cute. I love that whenever. So cute And we indeed. meet her a couple times, don't we? We do. We do. We do, Mr. <laughs> Brandon, indeed. So we've had a little bit of a slump here with two kind of meh episodes, but next week we've got a real crackerjack of an episode. And which one is that? So next week we're going to talk about the old order changes, and this is where they try to be more American in their sales approach. Oh my god. I like you, Betty. I really like you. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk talk about a little bit of Polari next week. Oh, man. We're going to talk about all of their outfit choices. For the homie with the Nafraya, right? There you go. Strides for the homie with the Nafraya. This is great. So, Brandon, uh, in the beginning of the episode, we talked about how a lot of super fans got in touch with us. And if there's someone new who doesn't know how they can reach us, how can they reach us? I'm being American for next week's um, episode. Well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Jeff. If you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter, you can also write us at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. I just can't do it. It's just too much. <laughs> or you can also call the hotline, the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And with that, we should all wish our listeners you've all done very well. Very well. Lovely. Thanks, everyone. Bye, unanimous. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. No preservatives or additives.